Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy for Life podcast where we will be discussing maintainable, sustainable, conscious living. I'm your host, Sarah Grace. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the Healthy for Life podcast. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. So today I want to talk to you all, uh, well, actually I have a special guest that I'm going to be bringing on that is going to be talking to you all, but uh, some of you know I moved to Hawaii with my family. We moved uh, it over the summer of 2020, actually, I can't believe it. And we moved to the island of Kauai, and uh, we were kind of venturing to try living there because my family lives there. And when COVID hit, we were really kind of inspired to try to get some land and be closer to family. And so we gave it a shot. Well, (laughs) we only lasted about five months, and we decided it just was not a good fit for us. I think COVID had changed the island a lot and the climate for us there. I'm not talking about the weather, but the political and, and social climate had just changed a lot and it was it was not going to be a place where we really wanted to plant roots. So we ended up coming back to Florida, but I met this amazing doctor while I was there on Kauai and I was just truly blessed to have him in my life for that time. And I uh, saw him for treatment several times and I was really blown away by the way that he treated me. And I've been to naturopaths. I love naturopathic doctors, and I feel like they all have something special to offer. They all bring something different to the table. And Dr. Allen, who I'll be bringing on here in a minute, he really was very different from anybody that I had ever had treatment with. And his approach to treating the body and how he did it, incorporating applied kinesiology and uh chiropractic adjustments as well as like this mind body kind of connection in his treatments was just really, really interesting to me. So we are very like-minded and in our talks, I was like, you know what, I got to bring you on my podcast. So finally, after being back in Florida for at least six months now, I organized it and I've got Dr. Allen coming on to join me today and to talk to you all. And I hope to get into some cool uh, topics related to health and wellness and emotional health, physical health, and how your mental uh, health affects actually your organs. He's truly an expert on this. So uh, thanks so much for joining me. Make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast and rate us. Please give us a five-star rating and leave a comment. We have recently had some haters and uh, people who have given us bad reviews because you know how people are these days, especially when you talk about topics that might kind of um, strike a chord with them and stir up different emotions. So uh, go ahead and and give us a five-star rating. So I'm going to get Dr. Allen on here. Hey, Dr. Allen, thanks so much for joining me today. Can you Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I could tell you a little bit about what I'm up to. I've been practicing naturopathic medicine for almost 10 years now. I got my start in Oregon, and I now practice in Hawaii. I'm in the outer island of Kauai. I've been here almost nine years, and I have a 
naturopathic primary care practice, but it's kind of unique. I do um, take people for all kinds of conditions, but I do have a focus on orthopedics, regenerative injection therapies, and I use applied kinesiology for the holistic portion of my naturopathic practice. And then the orthopedics is a combination of chiropractic type work, although I'm a naturopath, not a chiropractor. And then it's combined with the uh, orthopedic injections using prolotherapy techniques for specific joint dysfunction that doesn't respond from the holistic methods alone. So between those two methods, applied kinesiology with naturopathic medicine, spinal manipulation, and then regenerative injections, I cover a lot of ground through chronic disease um, and hormone issues, anxiety, depression, and of course, sports medicine. Awesome. I was telling our listeners before you came on how I, you know, my little stint in Kauai, I was really cool to be able to meet you and to work with you and how different it was compared to anyone else I had really worked with before. I'm familiar with yeah. the muscle testing and that sort of thing, but it was really neat how you incorporated a lot of different modalities into, you know, your practice and the way you're treating people. But um, I have here this quote from you, I believe this is from you, where it says, our state of mind creates our experience of health and disease, and our quality and degree of health or disease influences our state of mind. And I feel like that's kind of the basis of our conversation today, and even probably sums up a bit of your philosophy, right? Like, how you approach treating your patients? Yeah, there's a concept. So I studied Chinese medicine, but I didn't get an acupuncture degree. But it was a part of my naturopathic program was to also take courses in Chinese medicine when I was in Portland at the National College of Naturopathic Medicine. There's a big concept in Chinese medicine that the emotions are embedded in the body. And sometimes you need to treat physically to help emotional problems. And sometimes you want to treat emotional problems in order to help calm the nerves and reinstate organ function. So um, that's where personality and what we call in homeopathic medicine miasms uh, can interact in a way that results with symptoms or diseases. So we get a label of a disease, but we don't know how much of that is structural, biochemical, psychological, trauma-based, uh, environmental, uh, or based on like a constitutional personality type. So there, right. there are different ways of categorizing those, which I keep in mind when I practice. I'm not giving people personality tests, although there are constitutional like quizzes on my website um, that's focused on Ayurveda, which is one way of classifying constitutional types that can help to give you a basis of uh, how to treat and how to identify what's going on. And the tendencies, mm -hmm. or in homeopathy, we call it the diathesis, which is your vulnerability to certain diseases and dyscrasias, which is a disorganized sort of bioenergy that can come from certain microbes or pathogens and result in personality uh, or psychological problems and of course, physical diseases. Very interesting. So like kind of oh, maybe a way to explain that is like practically would be say someone comes to you saying, you know, I have anxiety or heart palpitations or that sort of thing. And you just in talking to them and talking about maybe what they do for a living and their lifestyle. And they're like, you know, that kind of atypical personality where they're very, 
driven and uh, they maybe have a high stress job or something along those lines, you can see without actually giving them a personality test, maybe what type of person they are. So then you kind of break down from there. And then you, once you physically get your hands on them, you can kind of tell what might be the the source of the issue. Right. So you get indications when people first walk in the room, how they carry themselves, if their shoulders are tense, if they seem anxious, uh, the quality of their voice. And then so I start thinking, well, gosh, if they're anxious, that's like a vata of the tridosha system in Ayurveda. A vata is very changeable or anxious. If they're very driven to the point of burnout, type A personality, uh, focused on materialism, uh, or notoriety or fame, or they're just really hard workers that are highly ambitious, then we're starting to think that they're more of a pitta, tridosha, mm-hmm. the, um, the dosha of pitta. And people that are kind of the salt of the earth, that are more heavy set, that are steady, that are calm, that are well fed, um, and kind of have a quiet confidence to them, they tend to be good at taking care of others and, and thinking things through. That's the kapha. But they can suffer from, you know, diseases of being less active, and um, maybe they're not as ambitious. Maybe you you label them as being lazy or um, being sedentary, but they have a really good heart, oftentimes, um, and so they don't get the so much the the heart attacks and the anxiety. Uh, but they might have you know diabetes or obesity, uh, and so you're already thinking along, you know, what this might translate into clinical conditions and things that we might find around their personality and health. Um, you know, if someone's really enthusiastic, then and there's a the, the seven types of the Enneagram, then they could be like a number seven, which is really enthusiastic. And so they may be prone to adrenal burnout or inflammation of the liver, or we correlate also to the water elements. So these people could be prone to stress incontinence or a nervous bladder, this type of thing. So, um, it's, it's truly amazing. And, and when I first saw you, obviously you didn't really mention any of these things, but this is all kind of, you know, in your head probably as you're talking and as you're treating people, but it's just incredible how you look at the body as a whole, you know, when you're, when you're seeing somebody versus just focusing on, okay, what are your symptoms? Well, these are your symptoms. So therefore here's a diagnosis. Instead, you're taking this person from their emotional, their physical, uh, and you know, all of their, the different aspects that make up who they are and taking them into account when it comes to treating them. And, this seems to be like from reading some of your writings, like combining Chinese, Ayurvedic, and Greek philosophies all t- kind of together. Yeah. That's really cool. And so um, can you explain how the organs are responsible or, or connected to the psychological state of the mind and emotions? Yeah. So just a comment from your previous comment. Uh, okay. So a diagnosis is often just kind of renaming the symptoms, but we don't know what all goes into that. So we get a clue. Right. People say, I have asthma or I have depression or, you know, I have diabetes. And we say, okay, good to know. Um, so we write it down and we can use that for billing purposes or um, diagnostic purposes for when that's important for note-taking in medicine. Um, but what I've learned is from one of my mentors 
he used to teach us. This is Tim Francis, who I uh, learned applied kinesiology from. He's a chiropractic kinesiologist, practices in Vegas. And he said, okay, take the information, do the interview, and you can kind of make note of this, make note of that, and then just completely set that aside and then do a neutral assessment using kinesiology. And then as you go along, you can make connections between diagnoses and reported symptoms. But the tapping into the kinesiology is what really guides what's there and and what needs to happen about it. So um, that's where the interview is important, but it's also just a precursor to finding out what's really going on. And then you can make insights along the way about why they felt this way, why they were given this diagnosis and where it's really coming from. Uh, Looking at the, it's called the triad of health in kinesiology, we talk Mm -hmm. about structure being primary structure you know pinch nerves or nerve mis- or joint misalignment can cause nerve irritation and all the muscles organs and glands are innervated so that covers a lot of ground there and then mm-hmm. seeing how that interfaces with psychology or stress depression anxiety or ptsd and then the third factor in the triad of health is biochemical so this is nutrient deficiencies and dehydration the need for medications um, and how that interplays. Like if someone's stressed out, that's psychological, but then they release a lot of cortisol, that's biochemical, and then their muscles get tight and their back hurts, and that's structural. So they're always interplaying mm-hmm. with one another. And taking the interview and you know checking their diagnosis when they come in is just the first step in sort of the, this process of fixing what we find. We identify the problems, right. we diagnose the problem in a kinesthetic sense of finding which organ is involved, which emotions are involved, which meridians are involved. We diagnose and then we supply the need as far as what needs to happen in order to reverse the the problem that we encounter. And then we recheck, which is observing the change. So diagnose, supply, and observe. Observing is demonstrating that the stressful memory no longer creates a weakness or a problem in the body or that the muscles that were weak or imbalanced around the joint are now strong. So that's just kind Mm -hmm. of a an overview of kinesiology and how, how it starts with an interview, but then it gets more into a kinesthetic assessment of the body. So, right. So, and when you say a kinesthetic assessment of the body, so this is the part where you're actually hands-on with people, uh, muscle testing and looking for imbalances physically, right? That's right. Yep. And so that's basically an assessment of people's bioenergy, which you may have heard referred to as chi or prana mm-hmm. or in, right. in naturopathic medicine. We talk about the vis or restoring the vitality to the body. So the bioenergy, it's kind of the most um, sort of palatable or understandable using more modern terminology. So bioenergy or, or more westernized concept, it's what fuels and animates and inspires the activities of life and the development of organs, repair processes, the healing process, personality, disease prevention, health maintenance. These are all functions of the condition of the bioenergy. So um, what I'm looking for is stagnant bioenergy, which could be called blocked chi. And what that can do is uh, stagnate or... Um, block the function of motor cortex cells. So the nerve cells um, that are trying to make the muscles and the organs function properly, parts of them become stagnant and inactive. So this is, there's a whole field around this concept of autogenics, which is like some of Freud's work, Feldenkrais, Gestalt therapy. 
These are all targeted toward identifying stagnant bioenergy, and there's different terminologies that each each person's used for it that studied it and treated it. But this is the idea behind reinstating health is connecting the circuitry of the bioenergy along the meridians and eliminating the stagnant bioenergy along the way or blocked bioenergy, disconnected or short-circuited bioenergy that's um, going to the certain organs and muscles and glands and tissues. So if somebody comes to you and they're like, man, my neck is really bothering me. I think I slept wrong on it or you know, I feel like I need an adjustment. My back's out of place. Like say they come to you with that sort of thing. I mean, you're not a chiropractor, so maybe you don't get as much of that, but like from the standpoint that you're talking, would you, do you not look at it so much as like, Oh, they slept wrong on their neck. Therefore they probably just need an adjustment. Are you looking deeper to think that maybe there's an emotional stressor in their life that's caught, you know, is so. Yeah. So what I find is that when people come in with a stiff neck or a sore low back, you know, chiropractic has this concept of emotional low back syndrome. Uh, So maybe it's more among the chiropractors that I learned from in in applied kinesiology, but this is a, a concept where there's a vulnerability or there's a pain or dysfunction or stagnation in part of the body, uh, which is created oftentimes, not always, by stress or um, unresolved trauma, and then you become susceptible or vulnerable to if you sleep a little crooked, now your 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 neck is locked up. Or if you swing the golf mm-hmm. club a certain way, oh, it was the swinging of the golf club. Well, you've swung the golf club before. Did you do it differently the time that you got hurt? Well, I didn't think that I did. Well, maybe you had a, like an emotional low back syndrome where you had a lot on your mind or you had been stressed out or traumatized and never really dealt with it. You hadn't slept enough. You have what's called neurological disorganization that creates blockages and imbalances that makes you susceptible to musculoskeletal problems, among others. But, you know, as, much, as often as I remind people that I'm, I'm not a chiropractor, people often come to me with chiropractic type problems. And so I say, okay, sore neck, and you know, we could talk about fixations or subluxations or myalgia, neuralgia, all these musculoskeletal or neurological terms that would describe their symptoms. And then through the process of checking their, we could call it kinesthetic, it's kind of a made-up word, but the the energy, the, <laughs> the way that the uh, the energy is residing and flowing or blocked um, and relating to the mind. That's how we can find out, all right, first of all, what part of your neck needs some help? And can we jump right to like an adjustment of the spine? Or do we want to identify and release some PTSD first or support um, the part of the spine that tonifies the adrenal glands or uh, helps the lungs deal with grief or despair or sadness? And then what we find or what I find when I practice this way is that unlike a chiropractor, I love chiropractors, but one thing that I do differently is rather than say, come twice a week, three times a week, come every week, you know, um, my goal is to do the adjustments, which resembles, you know, which utilizes chiropractic technique, but also use remedies and PTSD clearing techniques and uh, autogenics and homeopathy to help maintain the improvements and to continue the improvements between visits. So it makes the adjustments oftentimes less temporary by treating the the emotions and the meridians that correlate to that type of pain or tension in the body or subluxation in the body. So then my goal has become to 
do as thorough of a job as I can, treat the whole spine, treat all the PTSD that we can find, use the remedies that are necessary, use the nutrients or supplements that are most indicated for the biochemical needs. And then we say, how long can we go before you might need to be checked again, rather than 30 visit plan, three times a week for 10 weeks. Right. Then, um, and right. plus, as I've gotten busier in practice, that's been more practical for me to say, come in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, or whenever you feel ready, instead of like, the, your commitment to the clinic is to come every week, you know, to say, right. you know, I've, I've got plenty of other people to see, but I'll be happy to make time for you whenever you're ready. Early on in practice, maybe it is every week. If there's a torn ligaments or a blown meniscus or a joint injury that requires regenerative injection therapy, I can figure that out when I'm doing my assessments and my adjustments and my holistic therapies. And then maybe I do say, uh, well, Whenever you're ready to treat the localized joint problem, you could come back, you know, in a few days or next week or whenever you can find a spot on the schedule. If it doesn't seem like it's going to require injections or stem cells or prolotherapy, then my usually my goal is to say, you know, come when you're ready or we could plan a month follow up and you can just let us know if you're ready for it at that time. And when people, what, it, what it creates is a dynamic where when people come in, they say, I'm ready to be here and I know why I'm here and, and, and what's going on and how you can help me. If I were to require to people, people to come before they're ready, then it's kind of awkward. They go, well, I'm here because you said to come. And I don't know, I hadn't right. really decided that this is necessary. And I'm here because I'm trying to make you happy and keep you on board with your support. Uh, and then I have to kind of justify why they're there and try to make it worthwhile for them. But if I let them come after a few weeks or whenever they're ready, then, then they come for their own reasons. And then there's usually more substance for us to deal with and we can make more progress in that scenario. Right. And if the goal is, you know, creating that balance, that mind body balance, then just say adjusting somebody is more just physical. It isn't necessarily going to maybe you know, address the root cause and, and get to the bottom of what could be going on. And like, I think maybe probably some people listening might be kind of like, okay, this sounds like, you know, like, how do we actually know this is true? And I've actually heard of them studying people's DNA and how it it's, can it literally change based on emotions that they're experiencing? So can we talk a little more about that? Like what have, has your research aside you, what you've seen probably practically when you're treating people, but also what your research has shown you and how our emotional health affects our physical being. Yeah, This is like, it reminds me of this field of study called epigenetics where we're not just a, yes. a victim of our genetics. Exactly. And so it's like the DNA and the, the tendencies that um, run in your family, that's like the hand that you're dealt. You pick up your hand and you see, what do we got? And you, you say, well, my dad had a heart attack and my mom got cancer. And so these are the things to watch out for. These are the things that are p- potentials in your body that could play out. But your, your lifestyle and what you eat and how you deal with stress and how you take care of your body, that determines which cards you play. So you can play the aces you know, and not the fours, <laughs> you know, you can play, exactly. you can, you can wait and collect your cards. And when you identify a full house, then you can lay it on the table and you can say, well, I'm going to keep these jokers in my hands because I don't want those diseases. 
So um, this is where uh, genetics is valuable, but it's not the be all end all. It just kind of gives you a heads up of, of what you might encounter if you do the same things that the people that came before you and your family did to, to cause disease. But you have the, the choice to not feel victimized by that or like you're doomed to those same diseases by um, dealing, you know, releasing stagnant bioenergy and getting adjusted when you need to. But, you know, I don't want people to feel reliant. I'd rather empower people to say I'm good for six months. And you know, I do like seeing people more frequently early on. And then oftentimes we get to a point where um, we've eliminated a lot of disease tendencies and, you know, they're working on lifestyle. They have the awareness. They've dealt with their stress and their trauma to a point where they kind of get it. And then they refer family mm -hmm. members, loved ones, and I see them every six months. And that's great. It keeps things interesting for me, and it feels like we're accomplishing more than just convincing people to be reliant on adjustments or, or any other form of medicine, really, for that matter. Right. I don't want people to be permanently reliant on any supplements I prescribe either. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the goal is to empower people to take care of themselves. And if something goes wrong or they need a tune-up, by all means, it'll be good to see you. And then um, that may not sound like a good business model if you're not encouraging people to come back sooner than later. But you get more referrals that way because, you know, if you're better mm -hmm. at what you do uh, or if you're more thorough and you take the time to do it right, then people talk and they want other people to experience that as well. Right. And I think, too, back to what you were saying about epigenetics is so many people kind of just play the 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 hand that they were dealt almost. It's like they say, I, I mean, I know I've, I've heard it a thousand times. Well, uh, my mom had cancer. That's why I got it. Or, uh, my dad has high blood pressure. That's why I have it and watch out because so-and-so had colon cancer. So you're probably going to get it too, that sort of thing. Instead of it being like, you know, you almost have the chance to change or to control the expression of your, your, uh, genes and your, to change potentially exactly. those things. So what you do on a daily basis can affect that e either positively or negatively. And I think so many people don't think of it like that. And so there's not that awareness there right. of their responsibility. Well, Feldenkrais, he talked about internal armoring, which is stagnant bioenergy in his own terminology of the day. He called it chronic hypertonus, and it causes it's uh, results from cross motivations, adoption of the civilized movements, family movements or styles or tendencies that create constructed characters. Constructed characters are a way of being that's modeled after others that's unnatural, and there are certain stereotypes. Like what you mentioned, um, one version of a constructed character is a victim where they feel justified in not dealing with their problems because they say that they're doomed. Well, this runs in my family. Right. Other constructed characters are like a, like a cowboy or a valley girl or a jock or a nerd or a bully or a princess or authority figures. These are like, this is who I am and this is who I was raised to be and this is who I've modeled myself after. But it's often really inauthentic and you can find all kinds of um, blockages and imbalances that are preventing them from being their authentic self. And you could say, well, let people be a cowboy. I, cowboys are cool. I'm okay with that. You know, <laughs> but um, it's, sometimes it's kind of inauthentic and it's preventing them from um, being really who they are. Uh, and it cannot. And that's important because 
that blocked bioenergy can also cause problems in the organs, problems in the nerves. It can affect your longevity, can affect your quality of life and your health status. So without judging or pushing any opinions on people, we say, let's fix what we find and break down any constructed characters that are not serving you, whether it be a victim or a cowboy or, or any other. There, there, mm -hmm. there are many, but that's another way that you distinguish, distinguish when people walk in, like the, the caring mother. Well, that's good. We all have a caring mother, but if she's too giving, then she can you know, develop breast cancer. She could be at more risk for that. So she's playing into her epigenetic tendencies to develop certain diseases by putting others in front of her all the time and, and being the caring lover, caring mother that everyone loves and appreciates, but also she's got to take care of herself and she needs to break out of a, she doesn't need to, but what we can offer is that she can break out of this constructed character of always giving more than receiving so that she can be empowered and healthy and resistant to disease. Right. It's like, I just find that so fascinating because it's like, if we could think the way you're talking when we meet that person who just drives us crazy, or like I think about, you know, in the gym, because I'm kind of a gym yeah. rat, like <laughs> there's so many different personality types that you come in contact with in the gym. And some of them, you're just like, what is your deal? <laughs> or like, I think about like in the CrossFit class setting, you have so many different personality types that like you interact with in a class. And I've been to so many different CrossFit gyms and I can kind of find one of the personality types in every gym. Right. And it's like, <laughs> if we could almost remind ourselves that some of these uh, things that you see people kind of acting out or portraying about themselves could actually be coming from a emotional deficit or a, even like a disease process. Or like insecurity like, that makes you tense yeah. and self-conscious. And so you feel like you have to act a certain way, but that same insecurity can put a stress onto the nerves, you know, can develop different right. diseases. And, yeah. And, Right. And those things, like you said, yeah, can, can, uh, lead to disease. Like for instance, my own mother, my mom, she, she carried enormous amounts of guilt, I think throughout her life for things that she did when she was younger and decisions that were made. And she, um, always blamed herself for things. And like, she had different personality traits about her that I remember kind of being like, like, get over yeah. it. Like, what are you so worried about? You know, but that was coming with her from her childhood. And so right. what do you know? She ends up with a cancer diagnosis oh. at 53, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and she's passed, but like, so it's like at the time mm -hmm. we often would say like, well, that's just so-and-so's personality. Or you say that about yourself. Well, I'm just this kind of person. But like really getting in touch with what makes you move and shake and being the kind of person you are could help you potentially avoid uh, health issues. Right. Exactly. You My know? mom went through a similar thing. And, you know, so she kind of goes back and forth between, you know, conventional treatments and doing things like the, the standard diet, you know, standard American diet. And then I weigh in and I try to modify some things. I do some treatments on her. I use some remedies and adjustments. And then, you know, we don't live in the same town. So she's gone through a lot of health challenges, but, you know, bringing her back to um, some kind of balance when I have the opportunity, I feel has helped her to survive. She's had two bouts with cancer, but she's still not out of the woods and um, she's on, yeah. she's on dialysis and 
She's actually doing wow. well, surprisingly well. Her doctors say, I don't know how you've survived all this because in her 50s, she had breast cancer, then she had multiple myeloma, then she had kidney failure. No way. Yeah. Right. And my mom had multiple myeloma. Ah, is That's that right? That's what she passed from. Yeah, I didn't well, know that your was, mom had. She had breast cancer and did radiation and she seemed to help. And um, and then 20 years later, she got the bone disease, which um, is sort of, I found, was correlated to exposure to radiation. So it's like, exactly. well, it may have bought you a few years, but now it's like, you know, dealing with the result of that. It's just, there's a lot of trade-offs in medicine, especially conventional treatments where, yeah, it can get you another month or another year, another decade. Uh, But on the other side, sometimes the the consequences have to be dealt with. So when I treated her, when she came down with multiple myeloma, the main remedy that I used was for, it was like a homeopathic to reverse radiation toxicity. And she was exhibiting symptoms of radiation toxicity. So it's a long story. I won't go into all the details, but these are the things where no judgment, mom. I didn't know better at the time either that there could be a downside to the treatments you did, but let's fix what we find and, you know, get you another 10 years (laughs) and see how it goes. And it worked. Yeah, it worked. You know, it's been, she's had a lot of ups and downs and, you know, I'm careful not to take credit, but to just feel like I did my best. And because she's right. had, she went through a really gnarly healing crisis and then she went into kidney failure. And so I had to send her to the hospital. And then it's like, you could say, well, nice try, but it didn't work. Well, that was six years ago. And she was given like three months to live at the time. So it's like, you know, I, I, I'm just one person who helped her at a certain point in time. But I like to think it had a good influence, even though it's hard to understand when people start dealing with the stuff and it starts coming out and they get gnarly symptoms that they thought were resolved. And then you have to take them to the hospital. It's like, I don't know exactly what's doing what. I just know that when the dust settled, she, you know, a few years have passed and she's, she's outlived lived a lot of people's expectations. So, right. That's amazing. Yeah. And so do you feel like that you can, that somebody can fully heal from a disease without addressing the emotional components. And I'm not talking about getting on a medication and, and it kind of getting rid of their symptoms, but actually fully heal without addressing those things. You know, I don't think that you can, especially if you're focusing on suppressing symptoms. Uh, so all healing modalities that I've studied, except for the more recent conventional uh, therapies focused on drugs and surgery, uh, they're aimed at treating the cause, whether it be Ayurveda or naturopathic medicine, acupuncture, or chiropractic. They all have elements of, of treating the cause. Now, the, the, the intentions are there and the, and the results are there to a certain extent, but without addressing the blocked bioenergy and all the different problems that can contribute to it, then I'd say that the results are temporary or limited or incomplete. In homeopathic medicine, they talk about miasms, which is kind of an old-fashioned term for microorganisms, but it includes like the personality types or the symptoms or the state of mind, uh, the psychological and physical symptoms that come along with the result of like latent tuberculosis or uh, cancer. Actually, cancer is a combination of all miasms. That's why it's so complex. But there's the basic one, which is Sora, which is feeling disconnected and it can cause itchy skin and anxiety. Um, so that's the one that we're always up against by the theory of Hahnemann, who is the father of homeopathy. So we're always up against this tendency towards Sora, but the other ones are, you know, we can clear them out more easily. So these are, this is the microorganisms that are behind chronic disease, but that can create 
personality types or disease tendencies or nuances that we can study and identify. Oftentimes when you have a latent disease or a chronic disease, it won't show up on a lab test. So signs and symptoms and muscle testing is really the best way to find out what's going on, to straighten it out and to work on always aiming toward identifying and treating the cause, which is a big concept in naturopathic medicine. But what you mentioned is, can you get well without identifying these problems? Well, you, you can't really. Uh, you can't get 100% better. You can manipulate symptoms and can feel better for a while. Uh, but um, that what they call the taint or the tendency or the miasms are still going to be there. Um, right. And then other things that can aggravate miasms or activate latent disease um, are the causes of this blocked bioenergy, which are unresolved trauma or a sense of conflict. Um, what Feldenkrais called jamming rival priorities or minding honey-do lists or cross-motivations. So honey-do lists, like obligations, honey-do this, honey-do that. Uh, and then also to go one step further on kind of a so psychosocial level, the cognitive dissonance behind having a belief that isn't supported by new information, that can kind of create conflict that can concretize these, uh, this blocked or stagnant bioenergy. Also forms of indoctrination or brainwashing techniques, psychological operations. When people gaslight you and you figure something out and you want to share it and it, it gets ignored or it, it's as if you didn't say it, that can be confusing mm -hmm. and that can create conflict or uh, this sort of uh, jamming of rival priorities, you know, maintain friendships, but try to speak the truth, this type of thing. Right, so that's something right. where, you know, people that are really into natural medicine, they'll often meet resistance. So, all right, so that you're not like victimized and create chronic disease and block bioenergy from that resistance or, the, you know, that gaslighting or indoctrination, then all the more reason to utilize these techniques so we can still be centered and be ourselves and be confident in what we know, even if uh, people might disagree or might want to argue or get upset with you. Uh, so that's why it's really important when you're talking about things that are, you know, not commonly known or contradictory to you know, the, the conventions within medicine that you allow yourself to utilize or you, that you access these techniques. So the self-empowering techniques like autogenics, which is this dynamic form of meditation that involves pre-enlivening techniques to sort of soften the stagnations. And then when you do these uh, sort of body scanning uh, and connecting to this kinesiliture, then you can feel the stagnation ripple out of your body. So that's where you got to put in the work and it's like a self-empowerment right. exercise, but then we can take shortcuts with, uh, with applied kinesiology where we can say, Oh, there's a black bioenergy. What does it need? An adjustment, uh, Bach flower essence remedy, a homeopathic remedy, um, you know, stress clearing techniques combined with structural adjustments. Then we can loosen, if not eliminate a lot of this block bioenergy that otherwise, you know, Feldenkrais, he had a method where there were, um, there's still Feldenkrais practitioners, which help a lot of people. It involves, last I checked, it was 250 exercises. It's sort of similar to yoga, but it's more sort of passive or gentle. And it aims to soften and pre-enliven this stagnant energy to be released and to regain an authentic way of moving and thinking and feeling that prevents disease. So, yeah. Well, well, and like, I think of it too, like, you know, it could be somebody may uh, do breath work, somebody may do meditation, somebody may do yoga, 
or somebody may join a gym, somebody may run. Like, I think whatever it is at the end of the day, like outside of say picking a practitioner like yourself to go to and incorporate that type of uh, treatment into your life, there are so many things that, that people can do on a daily basis to get rid of that stagnant right. energy. And I think it's about finding that what works for you. Like for me personally, a big part of it is going to the gym and that's where I'm able to let go of a lot of things and to, to, to feel amazing and, and do all these things that, that make me happy and make me a better person. But like on my journey, and actually recently I experienced this and talking with my dad, I, I started to notice that I have some undealt with issues surrounding the passing of my mom and issues of anger and, and, and grief and things that are, would be expected. But a lot of times you just go on with life. You push those things down and they're not addressed. And then that could lead to what we've been talking about to a disease process, or that could be the root cause of maybe some of the other health issues I've faced or things like that, that are ailing me. And so it's like, we're on this constant journey. And I think it's like just being aware. So I said to myself, I expressed those emotions and those feelings. I accepted them. Then I said, okay, what can I do to help myself? So, so maybe now I take that step to, to find counseling or, you know, um, meditation or something that's going to help me. And so I think that's what it's all about right. is like finding that what works for you and, uh, what fits into your life and being aware of, of what's going on, right. you know, in your body, and being honest and being calm and being, having the humility to identify when something's out of balance. You mentioned, you mm -hmm. know, at, at the gym, you feel, you know, so exercise, I agree that I've found that, um, exercising and playing sports and training and stretching and, and strengthening the body, it really helps not only with psych psychology, but also like feeling sort of spiritually righteous, like you're on the right track and your, your life purpose is, yep. is aligned. And, uh, so going to the gym is a great way to do that. But you also see, mm -hmm. you know, jocks or meatheads or different types of people that have a constructed character. So you go, well, you're doing something to take care of yourself and deal with your stress and support your health. Good for you. But there's also a piece where you, there may be some inauth inauthenticities or things that right. have not been dealt with that becomes apparent even with people with the best of intentions to do the breath work and the yoga and the weightlifting. So Absolutely. my mentor, Phil Powell, who is a dear friend of mine, passed away a few years ago. He studied all this stuff and he introduced me to it. And he talked about the importance of pre-enlivening. Pre-enlivening is um, what you can do to soften the stagnation so that when you exercise, when you do yoga, when you meditate, that it can release from the body. So that what he used was pre-enlivening exercises. So this, these are written or drawn exercises that are uh, involved making looping or elliptical repatterning shapes or repatterning exercise using loops and ellipses and he called it whole body writing and he also referred to it you know jokingly he said it's their squigglies he called them squigglies because that's what they look like you know these all these loops and ellipses he also used a technique called reverse archer's bow which is where you stretch the whole front side of your body and lean way back and then he did one that also pre-enlivened the stagnant energy where it was a chin to sternum and that's like stretching the like the dura mater where the tissues are, are that support the brain and the spine. 
stretching it in flexion and extension, and then doing these whole body writing exercises. And then he has, which is on my website as well, this body diagram that has the outline of a body front and back. And then when you're doing these, uh, this type of stretching, which is kind of just an introductory in introduction, you do a little stretching and then you put in, you know, 15, 30 minutes, um, and then you accumulate hours of these written repatterning exercises. And as you do them, you're going to find itching, burning, or pain, or uh, rippling sensations or different sensations throughout your body, often in the face or the low back or the sites of injury. So on the body diagram, if you want to be really thorough about this stuff, you do these written exercises and you do it for, you know, days and weeks, uh, just a little each day. And when you get an itching or a burning on your body, then you, you can take a red pen and you can shade the area or you can do dots around the face or the low back on the diagram so that you can chart and monitor where you're pre-enlivening the stagnation, which happens to be oftentimes in the low back. This is connected to the emotional low back syndrome and then around the face. And so when you adequately, when you do 20, 30, 40 hours of cumulative time and doing these, these pre-enlivening exercises, then when you meditate and you scan your body and you, you, know, you become present and you feel what's going on in your body and with a curiosity and the sense of taking inventory of all the parts of your body, then what you'll find is you're going to spontaneously start shedding and what he would call evacuating CHT, which is chronic hypertonus, which I equate to stagnant bioenergy. And so when you do this, then you can reach a state of weightlessness of what he called streaming, which is like all circuits firing, feeling alert, feeling confident, ready to perform at your best, ready to be calm and confident. So this is really good. He had a focus on working. He worked with a, a Bobby Ingram, who is not a famous football player, but he was in the NFL. And at age 35, after working with Phil, he had his best season ever. Um, and wow. so like my brother also worked with him and he, he was a real standout. He's still a really good athlete. But um, when he was in competitive baseball, he did these pre-enlivening exercises and these evacuations. And then he went out to play ball. And he on one weekend, he he broke three aluminum bats, which we hear about breaking wooden bats in pro baseball. It's common, right. but aluminum bats, occasionally there's a defect and you, it makes a funny sound when you hit it and you say, Oh, that's cracked. Or, you know, the end cap broke off. The older ones had end cap. Um, but to actually, he would, he, they split wide open. It was remarkable. And this wow. is when he was just like, so charged up. He was, you know, a strong young, you know, athlete and he had been training and practicing. We've been playing baseball our whole lives. So he had the background, but then when he really optimized it by doing this um, pre-enlivening and autogenics uh, activities, then he was able to perform at a really remarkable level. I had an experience playing um, just pickup basketball at the YMCA. I, I've liked basketball over the years. I'm tall. You know, I'm a decent basketball player, but baseball was always my best sport. But when I did this pre-enlivening one time in my 20s, um, we played a pickup basketball game and I just realized that I could make a three pointer every time. And I did it. We counted, oh, wow. we, we counted, we, I did, I literally did 10 in a row and I, it's not to brag, <laughs> humble brag, right? Yeah. Humble brag. But uh, that's just an example of like, you just get locked into the zone and you see NBA players, you know, Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry, uh, where he, mm -hmm. or LeBron James in the middle of an interview, he'll turn around and throw it underhanded and just swish it from full court 
It's like, there's just like, there's like, they're locked in, they're in the zone, they're streaming. And we can tap into that, like the elite athletes, if we do these types of focused uh, pre-enlivening and autogenics activities. So what I found is an interest in performing at like an elite level in sports, especially around baseball, college, and little pro baseball after college. What I found is my motivation to be a high performer, the techniques that we use, that clears stagnant energy that makes you an elite performer to be really focused, to be at your best. It also applies to being focused for like say interviews or for your profession or for being healthy. So the things that you use to optimize your performance are the same things we can use to optimize your health. And then I realized that, you know, what I was pursuing was more than helping athletes perform at their best, but this is good for anybody. People don't have to be into sports at all. I mean, it would be help. It helps people to exercise and it's hard to get people better if they don't, but we can use these same principles of releasing the bioenergy and, and supporting and empowering people to take care of themselves energetically and to deal with their past trauma and to deal with these blockages that can inhibit normal movement and can inhibit make people Mm -hmm. kind of awkward when they try to play sports well it can make them less socially awkward or their their organs to be less awkward if you will or or dysfunctional um in their body so optimizing performance and optimizing health is i'm utilizing the same techniques and so i can say yeah sports medicine sports performance doctor i could also say chronic disease anxiety primary care physician whatever ails you is what we can address by fixing what we find and using these methods. So that's where it's really all encompassing. And I don't have to focus on just one demographic in my practice. Yeah. And I love that. I think that is so cool. So, um, will you tell everyone your website, um, and where they could kind of read up on some of this stuff and find you? Yeah. So my website is drzachallen.com. That's D-R-Z-A-C-K. A-L-L-E-N.com. And that's where uh, you can find some of the, the philosophy and the techniques and the background of my medicine, both in holistic naturopathic medicine, applied kinesiology, the triad of health and how they interplay. And then also regenerative injection therapies, which is commonly known as prolotherapy, which is using dextrose and ozone uh, to heal joint problems and tears around structures in the joints. Also, stem cell therapy, platelet-rich plasma, amniotic fluid, placental tissue matrix. These are all stem cell sources. So this is the other side of my practice that's more procedural to heal localized joint problems. And you can learn about that on my website as well. I've kind of got two sides to my practice, but um, doing the holistic stuff first and going to the regenerative injection second, that's how I you know, try to cover a lot of ground around sports injuries and supporting health and healing. And if somebody wanted to find a practitioner that's somewhat like you, <laughs> I yeah. don't think there's another one just like <laughs> you, but is there a resource that they can go to a website or anything? Like what, what would you recommend that they do? Yeah, So, you know, Googling keywords of the, the, um, the terms that I've used today, there's a website for applied kinesiology, which uh, can tell you if there's a practitioner that's certified in applied kinesiology in your area. That's ICAK.com, International College of Applied Kinesiology. And then, okay. so, and then if you look up chiropractic or naturopathic medicine, that gets you in the, in the ballpark, right? But um, the yeah. more specifics that are unique to my practice are applied kinesiology, 
prolotherapy, regenerative injection therapy. There's a website called getprolo.com. I'm not represented on that one, but it is. It gives you a lot of information, and it gives you kind of the the, the leaders of the of the method uh, that have written articles and um, have provided these materials to help people understand what it is and and who it can help. So these are a couple. Awesome. Yeah, and then um, so I guess those are the main ones. So I'm a naturopathic physician. That's a good start. I use some methods right. of Chinese medicine. So they're acupuncturists and Chinese medicine physicians and practitioners that do meridian therapy. Meridian therapy is really central to what I do. That's the, the organ systems and how they're connected to emotions, muscles, organs, and glands and tissues. And so acupuncturists are, um, they do the same thing, but they use needles and they use, you know, Chinese herbs and they do use twina, which is a way of manipulating the body from Chinese medicine and cupping and this type of thing. So uh, as opposed to saying, you know, let's find another naturopathic physician, it could be that what's available to you is someone with an acupuncture license who's doing meridian therapy. That would be a closer match to what I'm doing. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. So if there is one thing that, that you could recommend people do for to improve their, their health in, say, mind and body, what would you say? To improve their health in mind and body. Yeah. Yeah. If there's like one thing that people can do kind of like on a daily basis right. or maybe like one step they can take in that direction. Right. So I would recommend, so there's an, an old saying that you should meditate 10 minutes a day. And if you find mm. that you don't have time to meditate 10 minutes a day, then you should do it for an hour. <laughs> I love so that's that. a that's a big that's one cool. that kind of is like um mm -hmm. covers a lot of ground but that's kind of just getting yourself into the ball game as far as um balancing your energy calming your mind restoring your your bioenergy and then taking from there the the insights that you gain and the benefits that you can reap from that to do some journaling so what i like to do is mm. do this autogenics dynamic meditation and then when I feel inspired with insight, you know, I calm my mind, but then things can just kind of come to you without you contriving or trying to think about something. Then you try to clear your thoughts. And then what occurs to you is often really insightful. So meditating and then journaling, I'd say, is a good way to go about that. And when you're journaling, it also is a form of pre-enlivening. So if you really let yourself get, if you let yourself get into a rhythm with your writing and write freely, freehand with a pencil or a pen rather than typing, then that helps to pre-enliven your CHD and that can contribute to processing. Besides getting your thoughts out on paper, it also physically helps to sort of exercise more authentic movement patterns. So those are big ones. And then box breathing is a big one where you breathe in for five seconds, you hold for five seconds, you breathe out for five seconds, hold for five seconds, and then you repeat. So breathing, meditation, journaling, and then of course yeah. exercise and just, you know, taking an honest look at yourself and seeking out resources. I like to say that when we have, you know, some empowering and self-care techniques, we can take care of ourselves 80% of the time, but having the humility and the wisdom to seek out help 20% of the time when you're stuck, when you're anxious, when you're stressed out, or you have a joint or a muscle or a health problem that you need help with. So to get people on board along the lines of what we're talking about, 
so that they don't you don't give away uh, your power and say, please heal me. You say, I've come this far and I've got to the sticking point. And that's when you can really get the most out of naturopathic medicine or meridian therapy or applied kinesiology. Awesome. Well, I just, I'm so happy that you joined me today. And I think it's a lot of information for people to process and hopefully kind of take some, some of these points away and think on them and research them and, and find ways to apply them to their lives. I, I think that you are a wealth of knowledge and I'm, I'm just so glad that you were able to uh, share thanks, some of Sarah. it with well, us Thank you today. for providing the platform and the opportunity to speak about these things and you're providing a real service for people. I really enjoy your work and your posts and your podcasts as well. I've been following you for a while now. So it's been a pleasure. Well, yes. So, um, yeah, so check out uh, Dr. Allen's website and you can always reach out to him too if, if you have questions about today's conversation, I can put a link in the show notes for this show as well. And, um, but yeah, you're always welcome to, to contact him directly. Thanks for joining us and you can tune in next time for some more great discussions. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah.